Welcome back to Nate the Hate, where we are live on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Joining me today is, as always, MVG. What's up, Nate? Great to be here. It's always great to have you. And today we're going to talk about the Summer Game Fest, or the Eternal E3. And we brought on the man of the hour, Jeffrey Grubb from VentureBeat. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a privilege to have you join us. And we're going to jump right into the topic of the eternal E3 of the summer of 2020. What is your take on this prolongated form of announcements, Jeff? Um, I, I'm hesitant to commit to like any one take at this point, but I, I mean, up to the up to now, my feelings have been uh, kind of stressed out and not liking it so much. Um, I am someone who grew up on E3, and then I've been going to it for the last seven years, I think, at least seven, at least the last seven years, and um. I got really into the flow of let's get, you know, let's get ready to do a week of nonstop reporting and nonstop covering games. Uh, you know, it might get, a, it might expand a little bit out in each direction where uh, some events might happen the weekend before or even the week before, but mostly stuff's going to happen in this very uh, siloed experience where it's like, if you're there, you're going to, you're going to go hands-on with quite a lot of stuff. And you, if you miss stuff, it's like, well, it was, a, it was a crazy week. It's okay to miss stuff. Um, Taking all of the stuff that would have happened inside of E3 and then just throwing a bomb on it and having it explode over the entire summer is not is not great for me. <laughs> I just I feel like something's always about to happen. There's always going to be another story that's going to drop any moment now and I should be ready for it. And then when a whole day goes by and nothing really happens, it's like, oh, man, I just kind of wasted the whole day thinking that something E3 related was going to c- come down and it didn't. And it's, uh, it's a bummer. I, I, really, I, I think I just need to like deconstruct the way I thought about E3 before and really approach this from a new way. But I, maybe that's a me problem and not necessarily a problem with this whole thing. I don't know. It seems like some people are liking it. How, how are you guys feeling? Well, I agree. I, I completely agree with you. I think that it's, it's kind of a, just a bit of a shit show all around that these kind of smaller mini announcements, uh, you know, pretty much every week until between now and the end of the summer, it doesn't really feel the same it's not the same and from from your perspective jeff i mean you're trying to make sense of all this and you're you've got, uh-huh. you've got your timeline of of things which is literally changing every single day uh-huh. i mean it must be frustrating for you but i mean for me it kind of makes me wonder you know was e3 really that bad because you know it got really a raw deal especially at the end of last year with the you know the doxing stuff and people were questioning its relevancy anymore was it whether it was really worth these big publishers spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars actually mounting um, a keynote speech at these at, at, at E3. So, but now that it's not here this year and we've got this instead, it makes you wonder, you know, was E3 really that bad? I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, it was, there was bad parts of E3. I think the people that run E3 don't know, still don't know what they're doing, obviously. Um, uh, you know, the evidence is this summer. This wouldn't have gone down like this if people, if there was competent leadership at the uh, ESA for that. But, um, you know, with that said, I still think that the E3 product itself was fine for what it was trying to do. And, I, you know, a lot of the arguments you hear from people are are that like, okay, why would I announce my game or why would a company announce their game uh, that, that could get overrun by all these other announcements in the middle of E3? And I think that's fair. But, I mean, we are seeing the opposite now. We're seeing, like, okay, your game gets a whole day. And uh, I, I mean, like Mafia, the Mafia trilogy thing, I don't know if, it, if the reaction would have been all that different had, had it happened at E3. And honestly, there might have been more eyes on it. Like, today it's like 
the trailers came out and I'm only half paying attention because it's like, oh, well, we already know about that. I, I guess it's not that big a deal. So <laughs> they've already sort of spent their their bullet there. I, I just <laughs> I don't think that the uh, the idea that, oh, games can own an entire news cycle all on their own is true for most games still. Yeah, there are a few games that can do that, a few companies that can do that. But most games are still just going to get buried under regular day of news, and it's uh, it's no different. But at, at right. E3, though, if you're all competing and it's all you're, you're all part of that big conversation, I still think that there's a greater potential at the real E3 week. But, you know, right. I, I don't know. Because, like, I'll stay with the Mafia example, is that it drops today, the news came out, we saw the trailer, the release schedule for it came out like you get mafia two and three today you get mafia one in august now had they shadow dropped two and three at an e3 presentation it would have been you know a really hyped moment today it feels a lot a little subdued maybe because of the timing of when it happened and the fact that people are now accustomed to well this is how the day started does that mean something bigger is going to come later in the day so now you're kind of anticipating something else to happen instead of just focusing on mafia Whereas at E3, you know it's a kind of that roller coaster. Something else is going to come, but you have that excitement. And now we're just in that weird limbo of, is that it today? Is more to come? Is something better tomorrow? What are we actually waiting on? And that's, I guess from a fan's perspective, that's exciting. Yeah, from an, yeah. Like an industry professional perspective, it's, it's exhausting because it's, when does my workday actually begin and when does it end? Is there going to be a surprise announcement? Don't you think that it's also going to be exhausting for the fans, too? Like, when they keep thinking everything is Batman and nothing's been Batman so far? Like, (laughs) it happens over and over, and I just, I think it's going to be exhausting. Well, actually, they're always going to expect something huge to happen, and then, oh, the announcement today was just, you know, a new SpongeBob game, and some will be excited. (laughs) And then they'll be like, oh, tomorrow will be Batman. Mm -hmm. No, it was a new Hamtaro game. (laughs) <laughs> and then eventually fans are going to get frustrated with the situation because you're going to sit there saying, why is Sony right. silent? Why is Microsoft silent? Why hasn't Nintendo done anything yet? Why are we just getting these small fry third-party games? And I guess the answer to that is those smaller third-party games, they were probably announcing these games on these dates regardless of E3 2020 happening or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, got right. A, I got a really hard-hitting question, Jeff. The, Please. The June 2nd Mel Gibson picture as <laughs> yeah. as someone who was born and raised in australia it can only mean one thing it's tequila sunrise the video game right am i, am I close? Uh, you got it fine someone finally got it right I yeah absolutely so. i knew it <laughs> there's um there, some people have got it actually in my in like the mentions on twitter and elsewhere and on reddit and stuff when i've been like seeing what people are saying some people have guessed it um so it's out there yeah. if people want to dig but uh Every, people have guessed every possible thing, so uh, I don't think we can help you too much. Yeah, they went through the IMDb list. That's what I did actually before yeah. before this interview. I just picked yeah. out a, a cheesy Mel Gibson movie. That's pretty smart, right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think people are like thinking. I mean, uh, people who uh, don't know that picture just means like motion picture, like that. Uh, are like, is there a photo? Like, should I be searching Google Images of Mel Gibson to see what comes up? I'm like, okay, you do that. Knock yourself out. But yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah, that's, that, that one's still happening. So people people uh, can have that to look forward to. I, you know, maybe uh, set your expectations to like five out of ten. I, I think that's always a good place to put them yep. for that. So people yep. don't get too crazy. Just like most Mel Gibson movies, five out of ten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Fair. There was a new Mel Gibson trailer that dropped today. As excited as you are for that, maybe a tiny bit more excited for this. 
now. So you're a very popular person right now. You're, dude, your name is everywhere on my timeline. So what possessed you to try to make sense of all this mess of the uh, Summer Games first and come up with this list of uh, literally like 22 dates uh, on on a piece of uh, a piece of paper? Yeah. Um, we talked a, lo- a little bit about it. it. It was stressing me out, and I was trying to make sense of it for myself. And, uh, you know, as part of that, like, uh, you do some reporting as a reporter. Like, I'm going to do some reporting. So there's a, there are some dates that everyone knows, uh, and there's some dates that the, early on there were some embargo dates that I could kind of put on there. That And some of those were the hidden ones. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't like, do reporting to get uh, Tony Hawk or whatever. That was an embargo, and I was trying to be very, very uh, – I put blank man for that because everyone was saying Batman for that. So I'm like, okay, this will be a good joke, kind of trolling people a little bit, but it's also not a lie because Tony Hawk is Birdman. Uh, and I, I was like, okay, so I, once I kind of do all this reporting and get us inf- information here, uh, this is starting to put stuff – it's starting to congeal this whole thing for me a little bit better, and I'm feeling a little bit better about it now that I have it all in front of me. And – I can't be the only one feeling this way. I know a lot of people are like worried about, you know, what's Nintendo doing? Like they haven't had a a real direct in a long time. Uh, What can I put out there that it could uh, help, uh, you know, reassure people? And and part of it is uh, the way that GameSpot, GameSpot, IGN and and Jeff Keighley are kind of handling this where Mm -hmm. um, Jeff will be like, oh, I got a thing tomorrow morning. And then IGN, without acknowledging Jeff, will be like, we have a thing tomorrow morning. And people are like, oh, it's at the same time. Is that the same thing? And it's like, yes, I know it is. It's the epic thing. That's happening tomorrow. Uh, this is kind of getting r- ridiculous that the way that these uh, different media organizations, which they have every right to do what they're doing, but it's ridiculous in that it's, you know, they were supposed to be the ones that were centralizing this. That was the whole pitch. Like, we are going to bring all these companies together and we're going to do that. We're going to be like, you know, Jeff Keighley was going to be the traffic cop for all this. And it doesn't feel that way. Instead, it just feels like them, them hyping up their brand, which, again, that they're allowed to do that. Uh, and, but it was kind of, it was bothering me. So I'm like, like, you know what, let's just, I'm not a media organization. I'm not a company that's trying to, uh, get people to watch my, my big shows. Uh, I'm just going to be a reporter here. Let's get, gather up as much information as I can and then share what I can in one place so people can just feel better about this. And it's worked out well so far. I think that it's accomplished, uh, that to a certain degree for some people. Now, as things have changed with like, you know, Things are still fluid. Like I'm trying to give people an idea of what the future is like for things that haven't been officially announced. And the reason they're not announced is because they haven't necessarily decided exactly how things are going to go. So when things change with Sony, people are like, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about in the first place. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to try to convince you that I do, but uh, I'm just trying to help you here. So, but it's worked out for the most part. It's, it's really accomplished what I set out to accomplish. Yeah. And that's the risk with any type of rumor reporting is that, when you get specific, like the date, June 4th for the Sony event, that right. was that was legitimate until Sony decided to change it. Yeah. That date was, you know, that was chiseled in stone as of, you know, late last week. I That's something I had heard myself. And, you know, Sony's changing it because, as you said, the industry right now, it, everything is very fluid with all of these situations. Even the Microsoft event earlier this month, it was originally scheduled for May 5th. They changed mm-hmm. it to May 7th only a few days you know prior so when you get specific with the dates you're always going to have that vocal group who comes out and says oh see you're wrong you're changing it now because you don't know the date anymore like mm-hmm. well, because the date has changed it doesn't make my original reporting inaccurate it's just at the time i reported it it was accurate yeah that's why you, you write it the way i write it like you know the Sony's current plan right now is for June 4th. And that's why, you know, I write it that way because that's the accurate statement that I know to be true. That is their plan. 
Uh, and, you know, when things change, I try to, you know, update it, make sure everyone, you know, has transparency, as much transparency as I can give them. But, you know, I think if people think about this a little bit, they'll understand why this stuff is kind of is changing. Like, uh, yes. you know, there's games, GameSpot, IGN and Jeff Keighley are probably all, all, all trying to convince all of these companies to come under their umbrella and do their thing under them. So they have these companies say, hey, Sony, we know you're doing something. Come work with us. Come be a part of our thing. You can help promote all these other events that were maybe happening the same day. Um, and, and you know, those conversations are ongoing. And since, again, since Sony hasn't announced anything official yet, they can change as much as they want. They could be a part of those conversations and things could change. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the Xboxing Day thing I had on there as well, that changed a little bit too. But I think it's like them just like trying to find the best day of the week and trying to avoid other stuff. So things change for different reasons. But Again, just trying to give people a better idea of, of what to expect and not necessarily like um, like I think people are worried about spoiling uh, announcements. And that's not um, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this in my life where it's like, OK, uh, you know, you can't spoil reality. That's not a real thing. But <laughs> but, you know, I get why people get excited for these things. And uh, how much is me saying, oh, some game is going to get announced going to um enlighten anyone or, or give context to anything when the company is just going to actually make those announcements in a couple of weeks. It feels like if, you know, what's my goal here is to inform people. And the thing that people really want is when is this stuff happening? That's actually what they care about because they want to be there and witness it. And so that's what I'm trying to fill in for people. Yes. And that's the thing. One of the conversations we always see around Nintendo directs is that I sometimes will tease an announcement that may be coming in a direct in a, in a vague way, but if people pay attention, they will understand what I am implying. And back in March, you put out the report saying, hey, a direct is coming on this date in March. And it ended up being a mini direct, which then causes some people to lose their minds because they don't consider yeah, that a direct. People. Yeah. Because, you know, branding and marketing. Most and people were very like, this is, yeah, you got it. So, yeah, yeah I, I felt pretty good about that. But, yeah. And then some people, like, even if you gave a hint as to like, a game in it, they get mad for that you spoiled a commercial yeah, yeah and it's, it's really i'm like you're trying to set an expectation for them of what is to come this way they don't go into it and say yeah direct on march 26th and then a game they didn't want is in it and then they get pissed off and it's like well yep. i'm just telling you when it is so you can expect it and enjoy it that way i mean especially with a mini direct or even paper mario when nintendo just drops them on twitter from a reporting perspective, it's hell because mm -hmm. we have no advanced knowledge of it happening. And all of a sudden it's, oh, I woke up at 10 o'clock this morning. Well, Nintendo announced the game at nine. Well, now I'm, you know, I'm late to the game. Yeah, that, that definitely happened with me with Paper Mario. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't have perfect information. Like, I don't know everything. So it's like uh -huh. even like, you know, Paper Mario gets dropped first thing in the morning. And I'm like, the first thing I see is I roll over in my bed and check Twitter and see someone saying, oh, here's the cover of the new Paper Mario game. And I'm rubbing my eyes like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, yeah. So at that point, it's like, okay, I guess I'll just go cover this as a regular news story that I'm a little bit late to and try to put, push it forward. And I guess, you know, in that story, that's where I put the Pikmin 3 Deluxe thing. So I'm like, oh, I'll add some extra context that, you know, uh, you know, most people know, I think. And then people were like, oh, that's, that's breaking news too. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess most people don't know that. So it's like the... It's hard to keep track of everything is what I'm finding out. That one was actually funny to me because I saw the Pikmin 3 Deluxe spreading like wildfire last week after you put it in the story. I was kind of sitting, I'm like, I know I've said this 
Yeah, uh, well, that's a people. Cast. We've, to- yeah, we've, we've, we've definitely talked about it before on the show. I was like, I'm like, yeah. Like, why is it getting so much like attention right now? And I mean, I guess I'll lend the credit to you in that you know, since the mini, yeah, I think, Rex, I think people have taken your word for like they're taking your word more like as a gospel now. So when they see you drop like a Pikmin three deluxe in the story, they're like, yes, that's the confirmation that we needed. Right. That is I think that's exactly what happens. And I, yeah. And, and it's, um, and it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I have to, I guess I didn't realize that was happening to me where I'm like, Oh, now that I'm saying stuff, people are like, people are going to go run and write news stories. Uh, and <laughs> that, that was happening with like, uh, I was trying to like reply to people on Twitter about the PlayStation thing early on where I was saying, um, they were like, Oh, like I, I don't, I don't have a good English. So what is, you know, slate of PlayStation mean? That sounds like it just means one game. And <laughs> I, I was trying to explain, like, I, I, you know, it should be a slate of games, you know, a, a lot. And, and I was trying to like define slate to the person. <laughs> and really that's what I was trying to do. And, and then people were like, Jeff Grubb says, it's going to be a ton of games there. It's going to, uh, there's a site that wrote like Sony's going to embarrass Microsoft uh, with their first event. And then like, I was the source for the story and I'm like, Oh my God, what is, what is going on? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I'm like, okay, I need to um, maybe take a step back and be careful about what I'm tweeting now, which is, you know, uh, that's new to me, and I'm learning how it works. And I think uh, I think that was a mistake. I should not have been replying on on Twitter so much, trying to clarify stuff. I'll just like let the reporting speak for itself, and then you know, let Sony make its now make its announcements when it's going to. So and that's you know. that's the funny thing with the insider culture is that you could be replying the exact same way you have your entire career but now that you have that extra set of eyes on you everything right. you say is going to be dissected and it's going to be thrown on reddit forums twitter or you know the occasional youtube channel or just a random smaller website who's just thirsty for those hits and they know oh jeff said this about the ps5 well that's going to be a fifty thousand view video now even mm-hmm. if it was really just yeah sony's going to have some games yeah like it's not a, right. exactly a sh- shocking revelation. Of course, they're going to have games. Yeah, it's a PlayStation Five event. What, like, what did you think they're going to have at it? Yep. With the exactly. uh, with the June PS Five event, uh, and I don't know. Maybe I'm a little confused, but initially mm-hmm. it was going to be significant, and now um, in the last kind of twenty four hours, you're saying that it's going to be a little less uh, larger than first anticipated. Some of the third-party games will probably not make the cut is that something that's like happened just recently and like third parties have decided or has sony has decided that third parties will no longer be a part of this show maybe because they saw what was going on with the series x we'll be back after a quick break Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Not necessarily. No. Okay. Um, I, I would say that um, Sony's trying to put a show together. 
the response to the Series X thing might be a factor. And I, the reason I say that is because my understanding is Sony wants to make sure that they don't have any of those disclaimers that say this is running on a yeah. dev kit on a PC. Yeah. Uh, they want everything running on a PS5. So that might have pushed some stuff out. Um, I, but now, how much stuff's getting pushed out? Like, again, I don't have perfect, inform- perfect information. I am reporting on, on what I know. And, I, and, and then when I say stuff like it might not be as, as significant, that means that there are some things that were in it that are no longer in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and But that doesn't mean they're not replacing it with something else. I just don't know that for sure. Right. I can't confirm that. So um, I, I do think that the show should still be. I think it's going to be exciting. I don't think Sony's going to come out with their yeah. first thing right now. This is speculation. Sony's not going to come out with their first thing and 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 just completely blow it. Um, it might not have every game that people are asking me about on Twitter, um, but but I imagine that they're not going to not going to scam. Now it might it be uh, more of a um, more of a hardware thing, and then some like sizzle reel video yeah. with not a ton of information about the games. I think that's entirely possible. And that's the reason I say that is because I do know then they're doing an August state of play where they're putting together the big thing of next gen games and current gen games and saying, here's what you could buy. Here's all the details. That's when they're doing a lot of that stuff. So uh, exactly what the structure of the June event is going to be. It's, it's still difficult to say, but I, I think that uh, I, I do think there'll be plenty of stuff to get people excited. Who do you think has the momentum going into next gen? Do you think Microsoft is still in the lead or do you think Sony is going to take over? Um, you know, I, I was talking to, to my coworker, Mike, on our podcast, Games Beat Decides, about this. And I kind of had a revelation about myself when we were talking about this. And it's that I, I don't know if I ever quite bought into the idea that Microsoft completely has its shit together. Um, you know, this was the, the reaction to the, the last Microsoft event. Um People were like, people were expecting Microsoft to nail it because Microsoft's been nailing it, right? They've been doing everything right. They're being very transparent and open and they're down to earth and they're they're making Game Pass better and better every week. Um, they get it, right? And and for me, it was like, I, yes, I, I do think that they are trying very hard, but they, I, I don't necessarily think that they are the company that has their fingers exactly on the pulse in the exact right spot all the time. And I say that like, um, I think a good example is the uh, the sad edition of the of the Xbox uh, the, the Xbox S all digital edition <laughs> yeah. where people, people got very excited about the idea of this thing coming out and being $99, $150 at the most. It's going to be this huge like price war against Sony. And they're really just going to take it to them. And then the thing comes out and it's like 250, almost $300. I can't remember the exact price, but it was at a price that no one was like very excited anymore. It completely evaporated. Some people might've bought it. I don't know. But the people that were talking about it as this big move, uh, it just, all that went away. Cause it wasn't, it was like this thing that Microsoft just sort of, rolled out and, and fizzled out because they didn't exactly uh, present it in the way they should have. And then they, they weren't going to cut the price because that's just they're not interested in, in competing on that level, I guess. Right. Um, but like you would expect them to be the company that wants to compete on that level. Right. And, and, and if they're not, why not? And I think my point here is that I don't necessarily think that Microsoft has uh, has its claws out and it's ready to go to battle in every single way with Sony in the way that some people think they are going to that. Now, saying that, um, I still think they have the advantage and just because Sony does seem like it might be in in an aloof state right now in the way that it has been in the past. Um, I, I also think like when you look at the people who are uh, in charge now, uh, it's not the people that really got the PlayStation four off the ground and the PlayStation and really like drove the image of the PlayStation four early on. Like you remember, E3 2013 mm-hmm. and Adam boys on stage and, 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 you know, the whole, the whole executive team that was kind of running the show then 
uh, and just nailing beat for beat everything so perfectly and, and kind of just running Microsoft into the ground. Um, that it, I don't think that's the team that runs uh, Sony right now. I think the team that runs Sony right now is, is, a, is a lot of the European staff that have just always succeeded because PlayStation's just always been m- more successful in Europe. And they're just used to winning. And I think that they are just expecting to win. Yeah. Um, now, yep. this is speculation again, but I think that's where they're at. And with that mindset, I think Sony could, you know, could screw up. And we, we, could, we could see some mess ups. And, I, they, and even if they do do stuff successfully, I still think Microsoft's going to be over here building a lot of excitement for Game Pass. And people are going to be like, well, what do I need an Xbox for if I'm just going to play the games on the PC? And Microsoft's going to say, goody, goody. That's exactly what you, we want you to say. That's right. You're, you're, you're falling right into it. This is where we want you. Uh, and if all that stuff you know works out, I, I think it's going to be a competitive generation. Uh, I would still give the edge to Microsoft, but I wouldn't say any any side's running away with it, for sure. If anyone's running away with it, it's, it's Nintendo, I think. Very true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Microsoft is definitely in a unique situation than what we've seen in the past. Like the Xbox Series X, it's a Phil Spencer initiative. This isn't the Don Matrick of the Xbox One where he botched everything leading up to launch. And Microsoft isn't giving Sony, you know, that advantage where Microsoft, I mean, every single bit of marketing they did with the Xbox One, they messed up. The, the whole used games bit always online. They're not making those blunders at this time. So they... Like right there, they seemed more confident with the Xbox Series X. They seem to be moving in the right direction, but their first significant fumble was with that Xbox Series X gameplay event earlier this month, where that could have, it should have been a slam dunk for them. It should have been where Mm -hmm. they showed us awesome third party games. Like, show us Assassin's Creed Valhalla running on the Xbox Series X with a significant 10 minute gameplay demo. Mm-hmm. Something similar to what we saw with the Unreal Engine 5 demonstration, but with an actual piece of software. That would have resonated with people. It would have showed us true next gen. A you know, a 90-second trailer of the medium from the blooper team. Yeah, it's an Xbox Series X exclusive, which they didn't even mention in the presentation. And you didn't show us any meaningful gameplay. The trailer was cool, but show us the game. They could have gone about that presentation in such a better way with just a few minutes of gameplay of some of those titles still showing trailers of, you know, things like Scorn and such. But had they actually gone out of their way and showed us Valhalla with a meaningful gameplay demonstration, we would have walked away from that event feeling, I guess, more confident and with a better idea of what next gen is going to introduce. Instead, we had to wait for the Unreal Engine 5 trailer to show us a meaningful glimpse of what next generation can deliver in terms of visual fidelity. And we're not going to see Unreal Engine 5 games for at least another two to three years. So we're still left kind of like, what are we actually going to see in six months from this new hardware in terms of visual fidelity, performance? Because yep. I mean, we have a lot of cross-gen games. Yeah. I mean, we... I, we We've been through this dance before, though, I think, right, with the last generation where we went from 360 to Xbox One and PS3 to PS4. I think it's going to be very similar. And if anything, it's going to be a smoother transition. And when I say smoother, I mean it's going to be uh, the the games are going to look pretty, pretty close to one another from one generation to the next. Uh, It's it's going to take some time to build on the hardware and then the tools uh, required to take advantage of of the of the upcoming hardware. Now, I mean, and that's just because. 
even when they're they're building games today, like they are building for low spec, like PCs still like the 480 from you know four years ago, the RX 480 mm-hmm. from uh, AMD came out in 2016, and it still runs every game at 1080p 60 for the most part. Um, and, and at that point, it's like okay, we're just going to keep building for that because a lot of people own it, and let's just keep you know focusing on that. So it's going to take time to filter out these old this old hardware for for uh, consumers, and then they could start really thinking about like, okay, how do we take advantage of this hardware? Cause now most people own upgraded machines and, and we can really go to town on that. Uh, but until that, until that time, until they like, until their spreadsheet says, okay, we can make that jump. Uh, it just doesn't make sense from a, a monetary standpoint, from a financial standpoint of actually the finances of, of, of building a game to try to make a game that just runs great on next gen. It, it doesn't make sense. It's it's too hard right now because the tools aren't there and it's too expensive. And so, yeah, uh, I think that Microsoft, it, Still made a mistake of of the way it positioned that that show. It should have known better. It should know what the word gameplay means. It's insane that it doesn't. Um, it, it's it, and, and, you know, and it frustrated people, and it should have frustrated people. I I, I think that people should feel kind of you know uh, burned yeah. by that thing. Uh, yeah. But I still think like they are also in a tough position where that's just what next gen games look like for now. What do you think Microsoft and Sony needs to do to sell next gen to the the you know, the average person because for the the tech enthusiasts like me and Nate and yourself, we're going to get this stuff day one. But we're not the mm-hmm. we're not the the average person. You know, we we want the new hardware immediately. But the average person that has a, we'll say, a Xbox One SAD or a, a Xbox One S or a VCR, which is what I have, what what do you think Microsoft and and, and Sony needs to do to to get them onto the next generation? It's tough. I mean, it, it is going to take the games eventually to move those people on. I, I think. Uh, I think that um, you know they, they want to build a compelling story from the beginning, though, and that does start with you know you said uh, the three of us we're going to get it day one. Uh, it, it does need to start with wowing us, and even when it comes to that, they, they have a pretty tough uh, road to hoe, road to hoe here because. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to show up on the screens immediately. Yeah, we're going to get a lot more 4K stuff, but, uh, you know, games already, if we're playing on a TV from 10 feet away, uh, games already look about as sharp as they're going to get in terms of resolution. Um, yeah, people are going to get, there are going to be more games that run at a higher frame rate, uh, but, you know, most most people's TVs cap out at 60, so a 120 frame rate racing game is still not going to show up, even on a tech enthusiast TV, probably not going to work there. Um so then where are the advantages? You know, this is this is some pretty tough stuff to display. It's CPU, it's SSDs, it's stuff that we're, okay, the loading is faster, but like, okay, loading's faster. That's very exciting. Uh, but it also enables games to just run faster because you're loading in assets faster, like the end of that Unreal 5 demo where she's flying through the world. That's possible because they can stream in these assets so fast without having to worry about, you know, level of detail models popping up and looking really crappy. Um, I, I just... It's it's still really tough to show. Like I, we have to explain why the lady flying through the game is is really impressive from that perspective, right. and not like just like look at it like oh yeah, it's a lady flying through a world. That's sure that's cool. It looks nice, but I've seen people fly through worlds before. What's the difference? Um, so it, it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be tough. If they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do better shows than what Microsoft did with with the you know Xbox 2020 event. They're gonna have to talk about it, and they're gonna have to make people feel like. They are smart. I think this is the key. Yeah. Make the people that are adopting early feel like, you know why you need this. Come on, this this super fast SSD. Here's why. Let's go and explain it to you. But you already knew that. Now go tell all your, all your friends mm-hmm. and, and explain why this is so important. They can't miss out. And the truth is, it is really important. They can't miss out. The, the upgraded CPU alone is, 
uh, to me, the most exciting part. And the SSD, very important. I know developers are very excited about that. But getting an SSD that has like modern, like uh, the, the modern processing capabilities, multiple cores, super fast gaming cores on, on their own, but then, you know, really good for hyper-threaded performance. Uh, that is going to lead to so many improvements in simulations and in AI. And it's going to feel like once we get to a point where they can really focus on these next-gen systems, we should see games leap forward and in, in, on the gameplay side in a way that maybe we didn't in this last generation because of that 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 crusty old CPU was holding us back for so long. So, it, it, yeah, it's going to come down to co- having conversations with your enthusiasts and then letting them filter it out to all their fans. Go tell Direct uh, you know, Digital Foundry. Let them explain it, and, and and then let those people who watch Digital Foundry mm-hmm. go tell all their friends. I think I think that's the key. Microsoft seems to be doubling down on the Lockhart, you know, the kind of the lower end. So it seems like they're covering both bases. You know, we oh, yeah. see, we don't know prices yet, but I'm sure we will here in due course. But it seems like they're going after the the enthusiast kind of high end with the Series X and and kind of the the average consumer with the the Lockhart. We don't know if the Lockhart is still part of their plans in June. It could be, it may not be. But what about Sony? What do they have for the for the average person? Is it going to be the the Don Matrick line of well, you can just use yeah, the right. PS4 or PS4 Pro? I don't think so. But what do you think? There's a gap there uh, in, in kind of the the you know in with consumer buying that potentially Sony has missed out on a piece of the market. Yeah, I, th- this is another tough one, right? Because I um I think my experience applies to everyone where. I wouldn't buy the lower end system. So who would? Um, but I, I think that the numbers bear it out where like the PS4 still continue to outsell the PS4 Pro always. It was always, you know, more units and even I think more dollar sales, um, at least in the United States, the MPD. Um, and, and so, okay, so my experience is not universal. So I have to like kind of like extrapolate and think, okay, so then who is buying these systems? And it's like, okay, yeah, it's just a lot of people getting into the generation late who see that there are a lot of games that they can get for very cheap and they, they see their friends playing and they just want to play a, a, way, a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does Sony say, though? Do they say, like, just go get a PS4 or a PS4 Pro? No, that, like, no. That's a tough that, line, right? Abs- they, yeah, absolutely I don't think not. they do. Yeah, no, that's 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 something that should never be repeated after Don Matrick, you know, said yeah. that, that line. <laughs> but I guess there's some... I don't really know what what their message there is. You know, it's it's basically just jump on board next gen. Maybe the price is more competitive than Microsoft. I guess we'll see. You know. Yeah, and I think you're. I think you're right. They can't say that, but I think they're not even really considering this. I think again, they are used to winning, and I think that they are yeah. expecting. Uh, you know, it might be the other line. Get a second job. I mean, they won't say that. They won't say that. But they might be thinking it, um, which is going to be it's going to be pretty rough in the the economy that we're dealing with right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's and and that's a challenge both companies are going to face launching the hardware this year is the economic impacts that we're suffering from the pandemic. And if you're coming out and trying to launch a piece of hardware at we'll say $500, I mean, you have they have to realistically be going into the saying, we're going to sell out of whatever we ship, yeah. which could be diminished due to some supply chain issues to begin with. So but they know they're not going to you're not going to launch you can't come out with 10 million pieces of hardware and expect to sell them out in November and December this year due to the economics if you ship the typical numbers you know 2 to 3 million maybe 5 million before the end of the year you'll likely sell out but you may not see as many people who would adopt both systems as you may have 
typically seen in years past because now that could be a thousand dollar investment and i mean now you have to buy a game i have to buy extra controllers and all of a sudden you know you're in for fifteen hundred dollars that's probably not going to happen this time around once the economic situation improves people are going back to work people will come into and that's where microsoft may have a slight advantage if lockhart is significantly cheaper let's say you know a 299 price point plays the same games at just at a you know a lower resolution but $300 compared to 500 just from the psychological point of view that's pretty impactful it doesn't I mean especially if you think about the kind of ga- kinds of games that a lot of that audience will want to be playing they want this as their way to play Fortnite they want this as their way to continue playing Rainbow Six Siege with their friends or whatever and, and those games are going to run fantastic on Lockhart. They're going to be great. You're not going to get much of a difference uh, unless you have, again, one of those 4K 120 hertz screens with HDMI 2.1, which you don't if you're buying a Lockhart. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a really good position for them to be in. And that's that's what the curious thing about these upcoming events for the summer. Like, we'll go into Sony's event in early June. What do you think Sony has to bring in June with the PS5 to really illustrate what they're bringing with their next generation hardware and software to sell people on it, especially in terms of software. Like we've heard all bunch of rumors of what Sony could potentially bring to the show. I mean, we've heard the rumors that Insomniac is working on Spider-Man two. Sure, we, yeah. we know Santa Monica is working on a new God of war game. Cause I mean, that's what they do. We've heard rumors of blue point making a game. So, what do you think we see from Sony in terms of first-party software come the June event? Um, I'll just say I don't have any insight on this. Like, I don't, have, I don't know anything. Um, so this is what I would say they sh- they should bring. And I, I think we're, I think most people will agree we're gonna, probably going to see Horizon Two. That makes just yes. too much sense for it not to happen. Um, so I, I think that'll pro- that'll probably be their marquee thing. I think that'll be their big game that they have. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to do the. Um, here are games that are coming out in two to three years. They might because they really want to sell the system. They need to get people excited. They might take that chance and and do the thing that Sony's done in the past where it's like, let's make promises that we're going to have to be stuck with for five or six years if these things get delayed. Um, I, I just I don't know if they have the appetite for that anymore. I think that they are are, are afraid of being in that situation. I don't think they enjoyed it with um, The Last Guardian and some of these other games. Um, but they might, but so, so I would, I would assume they're not going to. And in that case, they focus on horizon. Uh, they show some third party partner games. Um, they might tease Spider-Man. Um, cause I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a game coming up pretty, you know, relatively soon, uh, in the next, you know, 18 months or something like that. Um, but I, I don't think they go all out and I don't think they're going to have, um, they probably won't have God of War two. I don't think I, I, they might, and they'll prove me wrong. I, I'd, be, I'd be happy to see it. Um, but I think they just they focus on one really big game, go big on Horizon, maybe tease these things uh, in in a small sizzle reel elsewhere. And then I imagine most of this June event is going to be uh, here's why this this hardware is important. Here's why this hardware is very cool. Here's how it works. Uh, here's what it does for our games. Um, and 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 here's what those games look like and, and why it matters. And here's some developers talking about that a little bit. I, I wouldn't be surprised by if that was the structure. I, I would agree. I, I think Horizon probably will will be there at launch, and the Blue Point game we keep hearing about will be a launch game, and it's just going to be 
you know the assassin's creeds and 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 kind of the the third party stuff to to, to round out the launch window but yeah i mean kind of the, the big heavy hitters the god of wars the spider-mans are probably going to be you know 2021 2022 yeah yeah and yeah. you know they, they they're gonna have to have a roadmap right because yeah. it's not all about this and, and the people pay attention right now the people really paying attention to this event uh, are got, most of them I, I, I don't know i guess i don't know for sure but i would say most of them are going to buy a ps5 no matter what uh the, the, those fans are already bought in they are ready that we we saw this with the ps3 to ps4 where uh sony didn't really believe in the ps4 they've said it themselves they they're like we we don't think this is going to be a success and and its success surprised us um and and the reason it's, it succeeded is because there's just a ton of people who are going to buy the next PlayStation and they're excited for it. Uh, they're ready to go. Um, and, and so they don't have to do they don't have to, like, you know, blow everything here. Um, and they're going to want to save stuff for, for you know, uh, not, not just for like the run up to the launch later this year, but for the next year's whatever they do when they don't go to E3 or whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, they're going to need those big games because they've learned over the time to- over the years that um they get judged really, really critically for their presentations because they're the company that set the bar in like 2014 and 2015 at E3 with, you know, here are just here's just a list of crazy games you can't believe are real. Final Fantasy VII Remake is really happening. <laughs> and so they're going to they're going to want to save the, the, any game like that that they have right. uh, for when they really need it. Yeah, that's a good point is typically like what we saw during the PS4 generation before Sony introduced the state of play initiative was that they really went all out at E3 or the PSX event. And now with them utilizing State of Play in a more meaningful way and skipping E3, now they have to draw out those announcements over the course of the year. Because we've seen the State of Play typically in the first quarter. Then we have one around when E3 typically is. And we see it towards the end of summer. And then we usually have PSX at the end of the year. So now if you're Sony and you have to plan for four events for these announcements, you can't just go into your E3 presentation, drop games that are coming out over the next four years. Because I think with the PS4, with Ghost of Tsushima being released this year, I think that game was announced back in 2017. So Sony hasn't actually announced a brand new first party game for PS4 in three years because they promised mm-hmm. us all these titles so long exactly. ago. And that would be a pretty bad idea if they came into their june event for the ps5 already promising us games out to 2023 and if we have to sit there and wait three years to see all these games finally see release that's i would assume that the consumer has wised up and say yeah you're promising me the world but it's going to take a long time for me to actually be given it so maybe i'm not going to buy into the ps5 as early as i would have liked because you know you showed me kratos's face and you showed me a god of war 2 logo with no date so obviously it's nothing coming out anytime soon but you know you get the fan base hyped with such empty yeah. trailers like nintendo they showed a metroid prime 4 logo yeah and people went nuts yeah people went nuts like yeah it's the return of metroid prime i went nuts i was excited yeah now <laughs> it got me later <laughs> we're still waiting for something yep. <laughs> but yeah i mean i do expect sony to be or to put on a really strong show in June because Sony's marketing and presentation style is always impactful. They know what consumers want to see. They know how they need to communicate with them, whether it's with a gameplay demo of something like Horizon Zero Dawn and showing the seamless world. 
you know, thanks to SSD and such. That's where Sony always capitalizes, and that's usually where Microsoft stumbles. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I still think Microsoft is going to come in, you know, pretty heavy in July with their event, where they're finally going to showcase their first-party efforts and some third-party. So do you think it's going to be there? Do you, do you think they're going to try to really match uh, Sony's sort of loss-leading games, which, you know, I, I say that because I, I still think even... As successful as those games are, I think they have a hard time like making their uh, budgets back. Um, do you think Microsoft's going to have the stomach for that? Yes, I think they're. I think this time around, they know they have to. They don't really have mm-hmm. a choice. It mm-hmm. does feel different this time around, but I, I kind of am questioning the same things. I mean, the, there's no question that the hardware is is top quality and it's going to be fantastic. I would still question the the game side, but we'll see. I mean, if we entertain the rumors that are publicly known of the new Fable, Perfect Dark, that's not a bad... I mean, it's a small catalog of games, but that's already more ambitious than Microsoft was during the entire Xbox One generation. Yeah, I think you're right, I think you're right. relative to Xbox One. It's going to, it's going to be much more... They're going to look much more bigger budget. I think you're right, definitely. Yeah. I just, for me, when, when I think of Microsoft right now, it's all Game Pass. Yeah. And, does Game Pass necessarily need those levels, uh, less level of games? Now, I I talked to some people from you know, Xbox Game Pass uh, on a show not too long ago, and they were like, well, we, we know that we need both. The customer's asking for both. So, that yeah, we're going to go for it. Yeah, we're going to do Gears Tactics, absolutely. But we're also going to do the, the giant games. That's what people are asking for. They're saying, that's that's what they're saying. But I, I don't know if necessarily they, if their idea of, you know, quadruple A, biggest budget game is the same as, as Sony's. And, you know, I would be... Um, even a little bit surprised because people are going to subscribe to Game Pass because there's a, a lot of content, a bunch of pretty good content, a, a few games that they love, um, and and then just so many games that they haven't even tried. They don't even know if they like them or not or yet. And I don't necessarily know it necessarily know if um, a giant God of War style game that you play through and finish and, and don't really play again is the kind of thing that keeps people subscribed to, to Game Pass. But I guess they, they need to find out for themselves, right? Do, does anyone know if that's what, what works? If they do that and it, it does lead to a huge bump, they'll just they'll prove the theory and there it is. They, they just haven't tried it yet. I, I just don't know. It's 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 one of those weird things where it's like, I just can't, I don't know how that plays out. So what, yeah. about, what about Nintendo? So you, you recently said that directs are probably not going to happen, but we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's kind of your speculation that, you know, directs are kind of off the so, table maybe till later this year. Okay, yeah, let's clear, let's clear this up. Yeah. So... They they don't have a, a direct in in the works right now. Um, that I know. That's what they're telling partners is that we don't have anything in the works right now. Uh, a few weeks ago, what they said is maybe September to these partners mm-hmm. uh, when they're trying to explain, hey, if you have a game that you want to get in there, maybe maybe by September, but maybe you should just do it by yourself. Uh, is what they were saying. Now the the update from Nintendo is. Um, yeah, we just don't have one in the works right now, and and that's not going to change in the foreseeable foreseeable future. So again, so again, this is this is what I know that they're saying. Um, now, so the speculation part—I I don't know. I don't even know if, if any of that is really speculation. Now, right. it, it, could things change? Absolutely, uh, they could change uh, if you know, Japan suddenly goes back to work, and, and Nintendo's like, you know what, we got a bug, we, we in our you know bug in our britches, and we want to get out there and actually put something out there and get everyone excited about a direct. They could maybe throw it one together pretty quickly, but you guys know that yeah. these things are a lot of work, and Nintendo especially is is hesitant about doing anything over video. 
they want to be in person. They think it's disrespectful to do anything in, in any other way. So when people are on Twitter asking me, why can't Nintendo of America or Nintendo of Europe do this if it's so hard for Nintendo in Japan? And it's because Nintendo of Japan, like, it doesn't matter how easy or how hard it is. It's still culturally against the way they want to do things. Um, yes. and, you know, and then on top of that, also, it is technically hard for, for uh, NCL to actually pull this stuff off. Um, so right now they're just, yeah, like you said, off the table and, and that, uh, probably won't change until they go back to work. And that doesn't mean they're off. They're not dead. Yeah, no, dead. absolutely. I, I guess my, my, my question is, do you think Nintendo is a little concerned that they may lose a little bit of traction given next gen is just coming around the corner here and you know, they still have the, the Pikmin's and they have the, the Paper Mario's and and the Clubhouse games and and potentially some other titles that will be announced. But Deadly Premonition Two. Deadly Deadly Premonition Two. Do you think they they're they're still kind of on course for a, a good rest of the year, or do you think they yeah. they need to drop a couple of big titles? I, I think that Nintendo uh, is probably they're worried about falling behind a little bit here. I think that you're right. They're worried about losing ground. That's what they're telling investors uh, that they're they're concerned about some of this stuff. Uh, the the results of COVID nineteen. Um, and how they how they you know fight back, or how how do they make sure that they are staying in the conversation and keeping people excited is with game announcements, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, I I don't know if this year was ever intended though to be, just you know that's not true. I'm sure that they had plans for like Zelda probably to be out by now. Maybe you know a few years ago they were probably thinking yeah Metroid Prime Four could easily come out by now. Um, that stuff's not ready. And so this year, uh, very early on within like, you know, January, February, it it shifted to, okay, so we have Mario's 35th anniversary. We are working on those remasters of the 3D Mario games. Uh, We have a couple other uh, Wii U games we could bring over, like Pikmin 3. And we got got Paper Mario coming from Intelligent Systems, who's been working on this instead of like putting all their people on Fire Emblem. Um, So what else is there? I, I... I would I would tell people to like set expectations at that at what mm-hmm. I just said. Expect those games, and if there's something else coming, it'll be a really nice, a pleasant surprise. Just don't expect it. And then, it, it, does that lead to what you said with them losing ground? Maybe, possibly. I still think that there's a lot of people out there who, if the Switch got a fifty dollar price cut, um, yep. Like, there's a lot of people who are going to jump on and be mm-hmm. like look at all these awesome games that have already come out for this thing. And that's awesome. Uh, does that like do anything for the antsy fans who are, you know, the one, the one person in your life that's like, doesn't like animal crossing who hasn't been playing that nonstop. And it's been like, there's nothing coming out for the switch for months now. Um, does, does any of this do anything to call their concerns? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe that paper Mario game is fantastic and you know, it's game of the year material. And then people will be like, okay, I'm sa- I'm satiated, but uh, you know, there's a good chance it's not that. So, yeah, I think there's gonna. I think it's gonna be tough for Nintendo, um, but I think it was gonna be tough even if they did have big stuff because the the the, the next gen consoles are gonna loom so large even without games. Even when those games, even when those consoles launch, they don't have anything really spectacular. We'll see what Halo Infinite is like, um, but they're not gonna have a lot of games. Um, I think even when those come out and aren't like you know the, the the greatest things for awesome new games, people are still gonna be talking about those nonstop. So it was gonna be hard for Nintendo no matter what. Yeah, 2020. What 2020 is becoming is not what Nintendo set out for this year to be for them in terms of software releases. I do know that there have been some intended 2020 games that have been delayed due to the impacts of COVID-19. So these games have been pushed to 2021. And some of the games releasing, like Paper Mario was originally slated to release earlier in the year. It was They had mm-hmm. hoped to release it in June or even late May. 
And as we see, it's being released in July. Now, that's not a significant delay, but it was enough that Nintendo had to make a marketing decision of when are we going to announce this game? And that's why it was just a random Twitter drop instead of because people continually brought up, why wasn't it in the mini direct? Well, it wasn't in the mini direct because at that time, Nintendo did not know when they could actually launch this title because Nintendo's games, they are selling well digitally. Nintendo's getting around, you know, 15 to 20% digital rate on some games, some games well above that 30, some, I mean, Animal Crossing, I believe it's like a 50% digital yeah. attach ratio, but we also have to look at the release timing of that game and when the pandemic hit and retailers and such were being shut yeah. down. I would say, I'd say that a good number for average for them is, is 25 to 30% yeah. digital now. So if I'm Nintendo and I'm releasing Paper Mario, I have to look at a lot of logistical you know, measures and really come to the decision of, can I release this game in July if retailers in America and Europe are shut down? Because I'm basically giving up a significant chunk of my of where my sales come from. Yes, people might say, well, the store is not open or Amazon stock is limited. It's going to take a while to be, you know, get it shipped to me. Like I got Final Fantasy VII Remake off Amazon and it took a few extra days because of everything happening. So Nintendo has to weigh that decision when it came to announcing a game like Paper Mario. And obviously they looked at enough internal data to suggest that July was a good time that they could launch the game. Now that type of decision is going to impact the rollout of games like the Pikmin 3 Deluxe, 3D World, the Mario 3D Collection, and so forth for the remainder of the year. It's so by Nintendo, Nintendo basically took some of their first half games and said, we're releasing them now in the second half because yeah. the games we intended or hoped to have in the second half are no longer there and we have to fill out our release schedule. Yeah, I mean, Pikmin 3 absolutely should have been announced a, a long time ago before Paper Mario. Uh, th that was the original idea. I mean, all this stuff, I think you said they, it wasn't in the mini direct because they didn't know. Like, yeah, but it was originally planned to be in that direct and it was going to be a full direct. That Like those games were absolutely going to be a part of that. Um, yeah. And you look at the timing, like Deadly Premonition 2 almost, like it, it probably could have fit in there as well. Um, but, you know, they, they just weren't sure. And so they, they just like, let's pull back on the stuff that we're in control of. We have relationships with our partners. We have to do something. Just make it a mini direct, um, deliver what we're supposed to deliver to the people we have relationships with. And, and then we'll figure the rest out later. And and now we're seeing them figure it out. And, uh, you know, and I think the Paper Mario trailer went really well, right? Like that did very well. So I think they're going to probably continue that strategy going forward. And, uh, and, and it should be, we should see some new stuff from them. We should see some announcements, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, Let's just really go all out on Mario, get people excited about Mario, uh, and, and and then see how that does. And if that catches on, maybe that is our fall, and we can rely on that. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they can they can kind of live off probably the nostalgia value of right. Galaxy Mario 64 with the 3D Mario collection, especially if they brand it as Mario All-Stars 2. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, I mean, we're in our 30s or older. And we all remember Super Mario All-Stars on the Super NES. It was, you know, it was that magical collection with almost like the original remakes or remasters of NES classics. We got that new coat of paint and visual flair for those games. And we played them and it was amazing. Now, if we can get that again on the Switch, that's going to be appealing to even people who don't own a Switch right now because you right. remember you played Mario 64. 
Mm-hmm. And and again, it's just part, it's about building that library to make people who don't already own a Switch feel really good. And mm-hmm. then when you release a, a revised Switch at some point in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, uh, that, that's like, again, like you're just going to get a bunch of people selling their Switches to se- second hand. And now all those people are like, oh, look at all these awesome games that I could buy on this used Switch that I just bought for pretty pretty cheap. It's like it's the strategy that has worked for Nintendo over and over on in handhelds. And, and they're just going to keep going forward with that now. I hope there's a big game. We know we know Zelda and Metroid Prime are coming at some point. Uh, is, is there anything else? Who knows if they're going to want to talk about those before they get these other games that they already have on their plate out of the way. Um, but but yeah, so so that they, they might be in that situation where yeah, there are there's there is other stuff. But do they want to put another uh, announced game that is going to be in development limbo for a very long time uh, mm-hmm. out in the public when they could just like say well, let's get them excited about Zelda again, which you know I would be fine with. Get me excited about Zelda. I mean, I do expect that we'll see a Breath of the Wild 2 trailer in 2020. I do think. Yeah, because yep. I, I do. Possible. I think yep. that was probably going to be a focus for Nintendo at their E3. Even mm-hmm. I don't believe the game was making a 2020 release, but they still would have primed it for a pri- for a focus at their E3 showing. Because even if they intended to release it in early 2021, what better place to make it that highlight game than E3? Now, with that not happening and everything now in disarray, Nintendo has reshuffled their entire lineup. And it kind of brings us to the curious question of, we know ARMS DLC is coming to Smash Brothers with the intended release of June. We know Pokemon's first expansion pack is supposed to release in June. And as far as we know, Nintendo has not relayed any information to suggest that either one of those have been delayed or faced any impacts due to work from home. So in the next couple of weeks, we should either hear or see those release. And we, I mean, Nintendo hasn't communicated anything about those. And as we talked, we have, we talked about three, four games that we do anticipate Nintendo to release this year. And if they have no directs on the horizon, how do you think Nintendo is going to communicate with fans these announcements, do you really think we're just going to see what they saw with Paper Mario and they're just going to go to Twitter on 9 o'clock in the morning, random drop of his 3D collection? Or They might just because they avoid the, the problem of building up a lot of excitement, right? A lot of anticipation where they're like, oh, you know, we'll have the Switch thing tomorrow. And then that gives people time to speculate if there's going to be anything else. And here's all the rumors and here's all the false rumors that are just here to get people riled up for no good reason. Um if they just drop it. They don't have to worry about any of that. There's no worry about worries about expectations. It's just here's what it is, and you either you, you either like it or you don't, and then people can you know they'll, they'll move on to something else. Uh, and again, Paper Mario proved that a lot of people were just fine with that. It, it got a ton of hits on YouTube, um, and, and it got a lot of traction on, on Twitter. And it, so it, it works, especially considering they're, they're hesitant about doing any other sort of thing, uh, any sort of presentation. Now that said, Sakurai does stuff from his office all the time. There's no reason he can't do a video presentation from his home uh except you know and again like nintendo might feel more comfortable about that because sakurai is in charge of this so they don't necessarily need to worry about like him about being disrespectful to him because they've already done you know done all the respects with him or whatever for for putting him in charge of it he could just do it how he wants um so maybe they might come up with something um but i i wouldn't be surprised if they just do the 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 drop out of nowhere uh just to get it out of the way and and just let it build its own momentum based on its own strengths i have one more question for jeff sorry now go ahead I'll say if you're guess on timing, since Nintendo has, I'd say they fleshed out their releases up to July. Be so aside from the arms and Pokemon DLC, which should be coming next month, 
when do you think Nintendo will talk about August and September releases, especially, I mean, we've kind of grew accustomed to Nintendo having a direct or a mini direct or an indies direct around Tokyo Game Show or Gamescom. And now if those don't fall into place, you still think they kind of try to time their announcements in those weeks of like August and early September to then talk about their October, November, December games, or you really think it's just, you know, it's a free for all now they can come out today at 9 PM and just say <laughs> it's 3d collection coming out in August. I don't know if they're going to try to change up like the way that they traditionally do timing. I know a lot of people um, w- when they look at like when they're trying to figure out when the next Nintendo thing is going to be, they go back in time and they look at how Nintendo has, done, has timed out everything beforehand. Yeah. And they're like trying to apply these patterns that may or may not exist like in the in the in the conscious minds of the people setting up these calendars in the first place. So we try to apply a lot of stuff that like might just be oh, that was just the result of the way things work and there is actually no method to this madness. Um, but th- that said, I, I still think that you are general, generally right in that they will want to uh, wait a little bit to the end of summer uh, before having to make any decisions on how to do any of this stuff. Um, you know, the, the Paper Mario is coming out when it's coming out, and so they had to do something, uh, so they figured out something. Um, and until they, I think they feel some more of that pressure for some of these other games... Uh, you know, and we'll see what they do for, like, like you said, for the DLC for Smash Brothers. We'll see what they figure out for that. They're going to have to figure something out. Uh, but for these other games where they don't necessarily have to move until they're comfortable, um, we probably won't see them until a little bit later when they're like, they're like, okay, this game, these games are coming out in a couple of months now. We really do have to do something. So let's figure out what that is. What are our options now that we've waited? Do we have any ways of doing things that are uh, uh, are bigger or more exciting? Have we figured those processes out um, now that we've given ourselves time? So yeah, I wouldn't expect anything in the next couple of weeks unless unless it's for a game that's coming out relatively soon. If they maybe for Pikmin Three Deluxe, if they if they feel like okay, we can get that out. But again, they they might just want to wait on that until they till they need a game if they need to fill in the schedule at some point. So we'll yeah. see. It does feel like Nintendo will probably go back to that type of planning of the games coming out in six to eight weeks. That's how much you know lead time we're going to give it. And so, I mean, basically, if people are hoping to hear of the August or the September release, we're probably going to have to wait until the second half of June, maybe even the first week of July before we see Nintendo announce plans for the second half of summer and early fall. For the audience out there that is listening maybe some folks uh thinking about becoming journalists in the industry what advice mm-hmm. would you give them for those people that are thinking about entering journalism in video games it's um it, it's it's rough out there especially right now with the, the media landscape being decimated by covid uh but i, I don't want to discourage anyone and, and i would say you know i talked about like over extrapolating from my own personal experiences um, but I'll say what worked for me. Um, you you do want to be the person that says yes. Uh, when people, when if you're working a job that kind of sucks in media and they keep just throwing work at you, um, for a while you do have to just be the person who says yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll take on this extra work. And it's a bummer. Uh, it is a lot of extra work. Uh, but eventually when they need something, they're going to think of you first and they're going to come to you first. Now, now, how do you get to that point? How do you get to the point where you even have like that job in the first place? Um, again, it's tough, but like, you you want to be want to build a personality. You want to be recognizable to the to the people that are in those positions. Uh, don't be pushy. 
but like find out what they're interested in and, and, and become a part of that community. Um, I think the reason I, I ended up in this job is I grew up reading like EGM and, and, and one up and game players magazine. And, and as much as I, I enjoyed the content and I, and I enjoyed games, I love games. Uh, but a big part of me just like wanted to be among the people who were writing about games. I wanted to be, I wanted to be friends with them. Yeah. I wanted to be in that, that community, that click. And when you think about it that way, you think about the people in that, in that space as people and, and like what they're like and what they like and what they would, what, what do they need? What would help them do their job? Um, and for me, it was, you know, um, I wrote, wrote on one up my blog for, for years and years. And then when I tried to make it for, make it for real, I went to combo and, and worked for a little bit at combo.com, uh, that Nate knows about. Uh, and, and I was, I was about ready to give up at my time as my time was with combo was winding down. Uh, the, the site sort of imploded. I, I didn't even really understand what was going on at the time. I was like, I'm just writing about games and I was doing okay. Uh, but when it imploded, I was working at like a Kroger warehouse stocking stocking uh, or not picking stock off the shelves to send to stores and uh listening to podcasts nonstop. but i was like that was my day job and i wasn't really making money from writing about games and i i had given up and i was uh about to like okay i'm just got to figure out what my real career is going to be um and then but i lucked out in that over the years i had built relationships with people who are in these communities who are also coming up alongside me and and one of those people happened to get a job uh not even a job, really. He was volunteering, helping out with Bitmob, helping Dan Shu, who was the former editor of EGM. Uh, he was helping him put together this site after Shu left EGM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he came to me. And he's like, hey, Jeff, do you like I see I saw you writing news for Combo. And uh, I know you don't haven't done it recently, but we're putting together. We want someone to write some news. Do you want to just come do that for us a few times a week? I'm like, huh, wow, OK, this kind of came out of nowhere. But it, it, it built up out of my relationships with people and you know, and that, you know, people say it's networking. It's all about who, you know, and it's absolutely true, but that, it doesn't have to be a negative in that way. Um, the, the, the secret there is just want to know the people. If you want to know the people, then you'll know the people. Uh, and it really worked out for me. A lot of it was luck. Uh, but then, you know, over time, like I got close with Shu and then when Shu went and got his job at VentureBeat, uh, he, uh, he, you know, was working there and he needed someone to cover a story. And I just volunteered for it right away and, and covered it. And, and it worked, you know, basically the rest has been history and it's been a, it's been a good job and I've been really happy with it, but uh, it, it takes a lot of all these things working in concert with one another where you uh, you want to know the people, you want to be the person who says yes, and and then you just want to think about, put yourself in the other person's shoes who is making this, making the decisions about who to give money and who to give jobs. And if you come from if you come at it from that perspective, um, you're going to be the person that they think of. And when they have a job to offer you, there's a good chance you're going to be the one to get it. So. That would be my that would be my general like long winded answer to to how that works for sure. Well said. That's good advice. <laughs> Takes time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it definitely does take time. Yep. That will conclude today's episode of Nate the Hate. I would like to thank Jeffrey Grubb for joining us today. It was an honor having you. Thanks, man. I, I really had a good time. This is a really fun show. Oh, thank you for joining us. I mean, it was definitely a insightful and fun topic to talk about. And as always, thank you, MVG, for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. And Jeff, uh, we'll, we'll we'll probably get you back on after uh, August or something, and just uh, review yeah. the the summer and see how how yeah, he we'll, did. We'll wrap it up, yeah. We'll, we'll kind of fun. talk about how everything went and see what our thoughts are at that point. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, we'll definitely make that happen. And I will have Jeff's Twitter in the video description below, along with a link to VentureBeat. And as always, MVG's channel is linked in the description as well. 
And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.